Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Talker City podcast, brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy, and joining me today, um, back for the first episode of the season, I do believe it's Mr. Stuart Brennan. Stuart, how's it going? Yeah, very well, thanks. Looking forward to the season. Good. It should mm-hmm. be a good season. Absolutely, absolutely. And also with us is Mr. Tyrone Marshall. Ty, how are you? I'm very good, thank you, Dan. I'm very good. How are you? feel like someone should ask our host how he is. Are you good? I, I am absolutely Bang on. Thank you very much for asking. And tell you what was also bang on, Mr. Marshall, Manchester City on Saturday. Um, as we predicted last week, um, there couldn't have been a better remedy after the opening day defeat to Spurs. Then a nice little home tie against Norwich City. Um, 5-0, um, as run of the mill as you like, Stu. You were there. Um, how did you reckon to the performance? It's one of those games that was it's kind of a no-win for City, really. Anything less than, than like a 4-5-0 win. You know, even that was expected. You kind of think, yeah, 4-5-0 against Norwich, newly promoted. You know, not a, not not exactly started the season well, losing it home to Liverpool. And you kind of think anything but a big win is not acceptable. Uh, certainly a draw or a defeat wouldn't have been. But even a 1-2-0 or victory, people would have been asking questions, you know, our City, what they used to be. And winning 5-0 is pretty much what was expecting. It doesn't really give you an indicator. Um, you know, losing at Spurs was a, a really bad start. Beating Norwich 5-0, well, they, they do that. they've done that every season, you know, whether they win the title or not. So it, it doesn't really tell us any... We don't, we're not any further on in, in assessing where this City team is at by them beating Norwich 5-0. Arsenal, next week, could be a different matter. But beating Norwich doesn't really tell us a great deal, to be honest. I mean, I'd argue that beating a team struggling at the bottom, like Arsenal, wouldn't give us much of an insight either. <laughs> but um, <laughs> before Arse. we um, kind of move on um, to next weekend just yet, uh, Ty, I, I, I do agree with you. I think, you know, everyone predicted 5-0. I think there was actually, I think the odds for it were actually shockingly low for a result that you know is usually so uncommon but everyone has kind of seen it coming one player who didn't get on the score sheet but still shined in the match and maybe was many people's man of the matches was Gabriel Jesus instead of playing up front as we've said he played it wide it's a position where he's done well before in the past I remember the semi-final Champions League or quarter-final actually semi-Champions League win over Real Madrid a couple of years ago he played it wide and that was one of his best games in a City shirt he got two assists here is this a position that he's going to kind of take up on a permanent, more permanent basis after such a good display? I know it's just a shame because there is so much competition out there. Um, mm. It seems weird to make another player that position. But as we know, you know Guardiola can rotate that front three at will, as he did uh, from the Tottenham game, as he'll probably do for next week's match against Arsenal. Yeah, I think there's a good chance we're going to see a lot of him in, in that position this season. Certainly from Guardiola's post-match comments, he, he seemed to suggest that he saw a future for him on the wing now. Um, I think he played on the left in that Champions League uh, game in Real Madrid, right. also like a left wing back. Um, and he plays a lot on the right for Brazil. Brazil tends to use Firmino up front or have done and, and Jesus on the right. So it's not a completely alien position to him. I think most, you know, a lot of forwards these days are adept at playing on the left, the right and through the middle. And I think you saw that with, with Jesus. It felt at times on um, Saturday a bit like, a bit like, City sort of 100-point vintage in, in almost Sterling and Sane in that you had fullbacks threading ball through to the wingers, making runs on the outside of of the their, the Norwich fullback and then just drilling low balls across for, for players to tap in. It it did feel like the City of sort of three, four years ago, really, that we didn't see a lot of last season. It felt like like evolved last season. So it was interesting in that regard. And he, he certainly was unplayable in, in that position and could offer something different. <clears throat> on the right, you've probably got, I mean, Sterling can play it, is perhaps better on the left. Mares probably made that position his own last season. 
But Mares and Jesus play the right wing role very differently. Mares is always going to cut inside and come on his left foot. And it was noticeable that Jesus was keeping his wits really and, and staying on the outside of the fullback and, and looking for those little sort of David Silver-esque through balls behind the fullback to to get you in a position to, to drill a ball across goal for, for someone to tap in. Um, so I think there was there was real signs of promise there. I guess the issue is, obviously we'll come on to this, what happens in the the final week of the transfer window. I mean, it, it, it probably says a bit about the concerns around Jesus, I guess, that Aguero's gone and now we're talking about him finding a new position. He probably envisaged the day that when Aguero goes, we'd be talking about Jesus being the main man and obviously we're not. And, and Torres started up front and, and Pep raved about the runs he makes as a striker. He even mentioned Sterling as a possible striker and Jesus being pushed out to the wing. And, and perhaps that wing role does suit him better in the way that City play, but it's not what we envisaged from, from Jesus, especially when he at the start of his City career. He's had real spells where he scores goals, but he's always struck me as sort of a streaky striker and doesn't have that consistency and, and can have spells where he'll score 10 in eight and then have spells where he'll disappear for weeks on end. So... I think it's probably, as well as he played, it, it's not, you know, it's probably not how he envisaged it, that the start of the season without Aguero, we'd have probably thought he'd be leading the line and we'd be raving about him for that. And if City don't get Kane, it's going to present a problem this season. They've got a lot of options at centre-forwards. I'm sure Jesus will get games there. You can use Torres, you can use Sterling, you can use De Bruyne in the false nine. But I don't think any of them are perfect, really. And if City are going to face a bigger challenge this year, you know, United are probably going to rely on Cavani. We've seen what Lukaku's done at Chelsea already. For City to win a league without a real obvious goal scorer in number nine would would be a real challenge. So I think there were certainly positives for him. And I think we will see him play on the right quite a bit this season just because of what he offers. And like I say, it was a bit of a flashback to the to the City of old. But I still think there's, you know, it, it's probably also a bit of a damning indictment of the last three years of him, really, that he's not... You know, he's obviously not the main man when Aguero's left. And that fundamentally, I think, was the role he was brought for. Yeah, definitely. I should say that Torres has been the one who started the first two games of the season up front, Stu. Again, he played, didn't make a score on Saturday, but played really well. As Ty said, made some good runs that kind of earned praise off Pep and um, Gary Neville on Monday Night Football uh, on Monday, obviously. Um, he was sending his praises as well and was saying that he thinks Torres could be turned into the centre forward. Obviously we'll talk more on the transfer window and a potential sign in that um in that position later on. But how do you see that position? You know, we've not talked to you all summer. So how do you see like this position going down for City, you know, should they not sign Harry Kane? Just to add to what Ty said, which I pretty much agree with all of that. Um Jesus uh has a better goal strike rate than Alan Shearer. And yet we're talking about him as being a failure as a striker at Manchester City and somebody who now is, is, is regarded as a winger, which Pep pretty much said after the game, you know, he, he is a wide player rather than rather than that striker. But yeah, I mean, Ferran Torres is, is being preferred to him. The, the two seem to have transposed, even though we, we've been talking about Jesus as a, as a winger for, for two, near, nearly two years now. You know, that, that's when it first we first started. <laughs> talking about him being a wide player rather than a striker. And of course, he was a winger in his in his early days at Palmeiras. But yeah, I mean, T Torres seems to be ahead of, in terms of 
occupying that central role. Torres is clearly ahead of, of Jesus. Uh, and we saw glimpses last season of, of, of it. You know, he, he scored, I think he got into double figures last season, Torres, without playing a great deal of number of games, you know, and he, his season was interrupted by COVID. Uh, he, he was clearly having a tough time of it. I remember him scoring uh, towards the end of the season and bursting into tears, which to me spoke of somebody who's been having a tough time settling into a new country and a new club and a new system. Uh, and, and trying to make his way after doing incredibly well for Spain. Uh, and he scored a hat-trick for Spain against Germany in that 6-0 win last season. So he's, he's clearly got an eye for goal. We saw it again. I mean, he didn't score against Norwich, but he finished like a like a striker. That was Aguero-esque, his goal that was disallowed uh, for something that he hadn't done. You know, so he, he's, he's, clearly, he's clearly a decent finisher. His hat-trick at Newcastle last season was absolute quality. You know, three, three really, really top-class goals that, that, you know, if Aguero had scored those, would it would have said it was perhaps his best hat-trick. You know, he scored quite a few for City, but uh, I don't remember him scoring three goals of, of, that, of that kind of quality. So, you know, he, he's, he, he's class. He's, he's, he's got a lot of ability. But for me, uh, as Ty touched on earlier, if City need to, need to progress rather than stand still, I've just written a piece about this. If, if they want to progress rather than standing still this season, they do need a striker. And obviously, Harry Kane is the one who, they, who they've, they've got their eyes on. Everybody else has taken a step forward. Chelsea have brought in Lukaku to finish off what was our, already clearly a very, very good squad and a very good team, as we saw in the Champions League final. Uh, United have added Sancho and Varane, two really top-class players. Liverpool have got Van Dijk. And Gomez, you know, that they're strengthening that the defense which was their their Achilles heel last season. So they're they're all in their own way, they're all making it taking a step forward. City brought Grealish in, lost Aguero. That to me is standing still. You know, that Grealish is quality, but he's not um he's not exactly what they needed. He's he's just another top quality player who, who can play in the wide positions or or in behind the striker. So to me, they still need that that striker if if they're gonna take another step up a level this this summer yeah definitely i think as you said we've said we've gone on and um, on at length about the need to have far striker but i do think Torres does have potentially still a young but i think towards the end of last season he scored five times in just three starts so he was getting onto a streak and the end of the season came out kind of the worst time for him he carried that form on into euro 2020 scoring twice i think for spain maybe actually three times for spain i think was one of their best players so it's just a shame that he hasn't been able to get like you know, he started season, ended well, break, Euros is going well, got eliminated, break. So hopefully if he can, I think that's what Pep's seen here, I think he's saying, if he can get a run of games, maybe find a form, we could see a real good kind of period from him. But one player who did score against Norwich was Americ Laporte, Ty. Now it seems like to me, you know, he's come back into the team against Tottenham um, and then came in, uh, stayed in it today because of, uh, on against Norwich because of John Stones' fit. He's had a good start this season. He had like an iffy one last year. He was one of the players maybe potentially earmarked for a departure. But good start. Had a good. He had a good tournament for Spain as well. Could it maybe be Laporte's year to have kind of a John Stones-esque kind of redemption? And kind of, we all, I don't think it's quite as, I don't think anyone doubted Laporte's quality. It's just that he was unfortunate that Diaz was undroppable and Stones came back from nowhere to be absolutely brilliant. So it could, you know, three world-class centre-backs if Laporte kind of, can find his farm again. I think it's a certainly a good sign. Yeah, you know, it, it's certainly possible. I mean, we all know how good a player Laporte is and, and how important he was to City. And his, I mean, fourth and Grace is maybe pushing it. But the way, you know, the, what happened to him last season, I think took everyone by surprise. He 
you know, we made a mistake in that game at Tottenham, that defeat at Tottenham. And then Stones took his chance so well that Laporte just never got a look in. And, <coughs> excuse me, it could be vice versa this season because obviously Stones went all the way to the final of the Euros. Laporte's got his chance. <coughs> excuse me. So, um, you know, there's every chance he'll get a run of games in the team. And, and if he stays, that's a real possibility. You, I guess long-term, the problem there is that like you say, that that is three world-class centre-halves. Now John Stones is back to his best. And centre-half is not really a position you tend to rotate in. You don't make substitutes in. You know, even if you're, a, even if you're an attacker like Mares or Sterling saying you're on the bench, you probably know you're still going to get 20 minutes, half an hour, because that's where you make changes. You don't make changes at centre-half. You don't make, you know, you don't take Stones off for the port with half an hour to go unless there's an injury. So as a centre-back, if you're on the bench, you know pretty much you're not getting on unless it's, an injury or five minutes at the end to protect the lead. So you don't get as much game time. So keeping them all happy is, is going to be the issue. If Stones finds himself out of the team, I know he's just signed a new contract, but his England place might be under threat. The same with Laporte. If Stones comes back in now, then it's probably only going to strengthen his desire to, to leave and return to Spain. And obviously he's got in the Spain team now, so he needs to play. So the dynamic there is, is certainly interesting. I don't think anyone doubted how good Laporte was. Obviously, circumstances didn't fall for him last season. He, he, you know, he, he was punished for that error by being dropped. And then Stones was just phenomenal for the rest of the season and, and such a good recovery from where he'd been and, and one of the real feel-good stories of the season. So, you know, all credit to him for that. I don't think anyone's surprised at how well Laporte played. Obviously, he scored. We know how good he is. And it's it will be interesting to see if getting a run of games at the start of the season does change Pep's mind. And who comes, you know, after the international break is probably when we'll start to see City's best 11 formulate when everyone's back up to match fitness, when we get to the Champions League group stages. At that point, I think we're going to see what what Pep thinks his best team is. And that's probably one of the big question marks who plays at Laporte and Stones. Definitely, absolutely. Um, Stu, was there any other kind of players who caught your eye in the game as we bring um, our Norwich chat to a close? I swear, there's not much to say on the game itself as it was such a kind of run-of-the-mill victory. But Grealish getting his first goal, even though they just cannon off his knee, it's obviously a good sign for him, a nice little confidence booster. Um, was yeah, was there any other performances that impressed or anything else that caught your eye at all? Yeah, I mean, Grealish did well. I mean, but and it, it, Pep made the point afterwards, it's going to take him a while to settle I mean, we, we didn't see what we want to see from him, which is him, you know, running with a ball, taking players on, going past players. I mean, that's why you pay £100 million for a player. Um, but he showed the other side of it, which you have to have if you're going to play for a Guardiola team, which is an unselfishness. You know, he, he st- stuck out on the touchline, stretched things. You know, Leroy Sane, Sane had trouble coping with that at times because Sane is the kind of player who wants to be at the heart of things. He wants to be scoring the goals, putting the crosses in, taking on his fullback. And I think he sometimes felt a little bit isolated and out of it, standing out on the wing, which was creating space for other players inside. Greeley showed that he's, you know... he. He'll do that. He, he did it okay. Um, but we want to see. We want to see for hundred million pounds. You want to see a little bit more of what we saw from him at Villa. But you know that'll come. That'll come. You know he's he's a quality signing. His goal was uh, was not what the way he'd want to get off the mark. If you, if you just sign for hundred million pounds for a top club, uh, you know bobbling in off your knee. But you know he'll take that. I think. I think he he seemed to have a bit of a chuckle on his face when when it went in that way. But you know he'll, we'll we'll see better goals from from Grealish in in time to come. But it was just. One of those, it was one of those games. You're asking about other players. I mean, the defense had nothing to do. Uh, so Laporte, Laporte did well in what he was asked to do, but 
one, one thing that Laporte does bring, just to, to expand on what, what Ty was saying, is that is that left foot. You know, I think that's his big advantage over Stones because uh, you've got Pep likes that balance. You know, he like Diaz is right footed. Laporte is a naturally left-footed, left-sided central defender. Stones and Diaz are both naturally right-sided, so we've ended up with Diaz playing, playing on the left, which which is done brilliantly. To you know, young player of the year playing there. But we going back to when when uh, Pep moved Zinchenko to centre back, simply because he loves having a left-footed centre back who can ping passes out to the right. You know, Zinchenko was was told specifically to do that find that right-sided player, whether it was Bernardo or, or uh, whoever it was, you know, just, just ping those balls out and stretch teams. Uh, you know, Laporte has that option. He's a great passer of the ball. He can play channel balls as well down the left-hand side. We've seen him doing that. More so than Stones. I mean, Stones is good at playing through the lines, but he doesn't really have that range of passing that Laporte has got. So I think that if Laporte starts this season well, Stones is going to have a real struggle getting back in, especially as he's not really figuring. You know, he's not he's not actually uh, in the mix at the moment. So uh, if, if Laporte, I mean, Pep said, you know, it's difficult to drop players when they when they do everything that you ask them to do, as Laporte did against Norwich. But uh, you know, for all you're saying that Arsenal are relegation struggles, it will be a harder game. <laughs> on Saturday and uh, perhaps we'll see a little bit more from Laporte and, and from Grealish and players like this in that game. Well, definitely. Well, let's talk about that now. It, we're only two games in, but it really does not look good for poor old Mikel Arteta at the Emirates tie, you know. But, um, your kind of standard Emirates booze on uh, Sunday as they were kind of, the scoreline betrayed the kind of performance that Chelsea put on. It was only 2-0 win, but they really did dismantle Arsenal. Lukaku, in his first game back, scoring his first goal for Chelsea, which was quite surprising to me. Um, just destroyed the centre-back pairing of Mary and Rob Holding. So sad to see him doing so poorly, unfortunately, as a former <laughs> Bolton man. But, um, yeah, it really does feel like this could be the death knell for Atleta. If City go there and give him a proper mm-hmm. proper doing in, it just feels like the writing's on the wall a bit. And it's it's kind of a shame for Arteta because he started so well winning in the FA Cup. He's tried doing things the right way, but Arsenal just seems like a place where you doesn't matter how good you are, how good you could be, you're just not going to be good there. Unless your name is Bukayo Saka, you're just not going to be good, it seems. It's such a shame. I don't know what is going on at, at the Emirates, but my God, it's funny to watch. It must be said. Yeah, I mean, I, I said in that Brentford game, I think I put on Twitter, that everyone loves Arsenal at the moment, apart from Arsenal fans. I mean, to everyone else, it's just comical in a way. What's happening? Well, it was so predictable they were losing that Brentford oh, game. It was the most obvious thing ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I think it feels a bit unsalvageable for Arteta already there. And you, you see some of his comments before the game on um, on Sunday when he's talking about them having it in for Arsenal and they will not destroy our spirit. They can criticise us. Like, who who is they? And were they responsible for the defending from set pieces against Brentford? You know, it's it's already a little bit of paranoia going on and I know they've got loads of illness in the camp and they've had a big COVID outbreak but they just they just look a lost football club and I think part of the problem as well is that I really don't understand their transfer business they they've already got a young squad they've signed a young goalkeeper for an excessive fee he's been relegated two years in a row they signed a young centre half for 50 million who looks very promising but, he's but gonna, won't be he's, there. He just won't no, be there. He's going to sink at Arsenal. They've signed a young midfielder from Anderlecht in that Laconga. They've signed Nuno Tavares, who I think is 21. They need leaders. And now they've got a young and experienced manager, a young and experienced squad, when the whole ship is just sinking. They need someone with some experience. And 
it just feels like that's not Arteta. I've really not. When your captain's that. Granite Xhaka, you know, who again exactly. looked good in Euro 2020, but just yeah. is back to his old self back at Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And, and, you know, I, I just fear for them that the whole, you know, I, I, it's a, it's obviously a long term project there with a young squad and a young manager, but at some point, a long term project has to give way to results in the short term, and the results just aren't coming. So. I do fear for him at the moment. I think if he did leave, he'd get another job. I think... Yeah, Pep's fact, assistant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's true that the fact he's worked with Pep, and yeah, going back as Pep's assistant, but the fact he's worked with Pep, and Pep can give him a reference, would get him another job, I think, whether it's in the Premier League or abroad, no matter how badly Arsenal's gone. Um, but yeah, I do feel like it's already approaching unsalvageable levels. And it just... I mean, they've spent possibly more than any other Premier League club this year in transfer fees, it must be pushing 130 million. Yeah. And they've just they've signed. I think United are equal, but United, you know, you look at United's transfers, you're like, oh, fair enough. That's worth yeah. what you're spending. With Arsenal, it just doesn't seem. No. Know. Well, they've signed, you know, United have signed a World Cup winner who brings experience to a squad that already had more experience than Arsenal, but did does lack sort of trophy winning nags. At Arsenal, you've got none of that. And they're just signing players who are just getting thrown in the deep end. And like Ben White, who are just going to sink, unfortunately. So, yeah, I, I do fear for them, and although they're probably not uh, in a relegation scrap, um, uh, you know, I think I just think they're a mid-table Premier League team at the moment. I can't see them getting anywhere near the top six, and City should make. I mean, City made City made easy work of them when they were a good side. So I think now they should be making easy work of them. Now I'd say they're you know eighth to tenth best team in the Premier League. Honestly, I could even see them struggling to get top ten. Like they do have enough quality. It's a shame because like, I do think there is. A good core of young players there, but I say there's just not enough experience around them to kind of help them build upon that talent they have and the way the fans are going to get on the back and it's just going to all kind of capitulate. It's just hard to see that potential getting realised. But Stu, yeah, how, how do you reckon of Arteta? Do you think this could be the end of him? To me, he just cuts like a lonely figure in that in that dugout. Like when you look at Pep, when anything's ever going not going his way, he's talking to. Um, his assistants, um, and he's got like a team around him to help him solve problems. Through Arteta, it just doesn't like he has that same kind of support network. And again, how do you how do you reckon this game is going to go on Saturday? I think it'd be very harsh for him to be sacked off the back of losing at City. I know, obviously, it comes on the, that comes after losing at home to Chelsea, which was a bad result. But for me, Chelsea are title favourites. Chelsea can do that to anybody. You know, as City found out three times at the end of last season, um, you know, they, they're more than capable of going anywhere. And with, now they've added Lukaku, I think they're a really strong. For me, if I was going to put money on anybody to win this, this league title, it'd probably be Chelsea. Uh, so, you know, he had a hiding to nothing kind of start, didn't he? Brentford away. And, in your opening game when all eyes are on you on a Friday night when first game of the Premier League season Brentford are right up for it because they're in the Premier League for the first time they're going to give give everything they've got um, you know and then so losing that one was a, was an absolute kick in the teeth for him but then to, to go off the back of that and have to face Chelsea and Manchester City you know two two of the best three or four teams in the country was really really tough so I, I would hope for Arteta's sake, that the the Arsenal board don't just sort of jump all over that and and see three three defeats at the start of the season uh, as, as a sackable offence, uh, and just give him a little bit more time and, and see how he goes 
in in the next half a dozen games, and if it's still looking exactly the same, well, yeah, you know, you, you, you've got to you've got to make a change. But as always with Arsenal, you kind of think that changing your manager isn't going to solve it. It's not the manager that's the problem; it's the structure of the club. It's it's everything that, that you know. There's clearly something not right with 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 what's gone on there since since Wenger, um, and that the ownership model, whatever it is, the fact that they've had to, they've spent so much money on getting getting the stadium right and they're not as attractive, you know, in terms of bringing players in, you talked about the players you brought in, they're not going to attract the same players as, as United and, and City and Chelsea have been doing because, you know, you know, if you're a player, you're not going to go to Arsenal and win stuff. You know, if you're Lukaku and it's a, you've got your choice, Arsenal are way down the list. You know, if you're Sancho or Varane, you're not going to go to, to Arsenal. Grealish, Harry Kane, you're not going to go to Arsenal. So they're having to buy these players at a lower level simply because they've underachieved for so long and, and everybody's written them off. It's going to take something really special. It's going to take an overhaul of the club itself. It's going to take a, a special coach to come in, you know, somebody like in the way Tuchel has done at Chelsea um, or the way the way Klopp did at Liverpool to, to sort of turn them around a little bit and, and get them back to the Arsenal that, that we all remember. Having said that, I, I genuinely think there'll be a live opponent for City on, on Saturday. I, th- I think you know professional pride will be stung. They'll, they'll go to City and they'll, they'll it'll be it'll be it'll be in their favour in some ways. Going to Brentford, they, they're expected to go there and dominate the game and win. Home to Chelsea, they're expected to take the game. You know, if you're playing at home, there are big enough clubs to expect it. So yeah, you're expected to, to take the initiative and go and try and win the game, which they did try and do just badly. Um, going to City, they, they can come to City in the, in the way that, that Norwich or Burnley are, you know, because no one expects them to, to go to City and do anything. They can they can sit and they can attack. I know the defence looks all over the shop, which isn't in their favour. But when your back's against the wall, as it will be at City, I think we'll, we might just see a better Arsenal. And I think City will have to really play well. To, to, to win the game well there is um, the Arsenal do play um, in, in the League Cup against West Brom before they even get to City so all this could be redundant if Arteta gets sacked if they lose that one it'd be very intriguing to see um, so what can I get a prediction from you Stu uh, what game uh, what, how do you reckon the game will go score wise I think City will win it. I think they'll turn up and 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 win, but it, it won't be. You know, you're going to see people predicting a Norwich style result. I don't think we'll be seeing that against Arsenal. I think maybe two one, two nil, two one, something like that. Well, I'll go three one City. Ty, I presume you're not going to back Arsenal here either. No, I'll go three nil City. Belting. Well, as we said earlier, we're now going to get talking about the transfers. There's a week left, seven days of the transfer window, and Stu Harry Kane is still a Tottenham player. He made his comeback um, for the team on Sunday when they played against Wolves. Missed a good chance to score, apparently, but otherwise got a good reception from the Spurs fans. <laughs> there was a quite um, a chanting war between them and the Wolves supporters over Kane being one of their own and Wolves fans saying he'll be a mank in the morning. But he's not a mank quite yet. And in your humble opinion, will he be before August 31st? Well, to be honest, we've been tracking this this transfer saga all summer. And we've, we've had plenty of hints along the way. You know, we've kind of seen where it's been going. Uh, but at the moment, it's just tough getting a handle on, on what is going on. You know, City have been pretty quiet all the way through. I mean, I know Pep actually spoke about Kane directly, which is very, very unusual. You know, he actually talked about... Well, we can't do anything unless unless Tottenham negotiate, and they're not negotiating. So you know that that is pretty much where we know we're at with City. The City are not letting anything out. They're, they're not. They're not. There's 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 very very little 
crept out of City, believe me, this this summer on, on where they stand with Harry Kane, other than the fact that they're all out to get him. Tottenham, likewise, you know, it's gone very, very quiet and it just seems to be a standoff. It almost seems, um, could be wrong, we, they could be absolutely nuts, it could be going haywire behind the scenes for all we know, with, you know, between Chiki Bergeristein and Daniel Levy or whoever, or Paratici. Um, but, it just seems like we've hit a bit of a stalemate that City are waiting for something to happen. City are hoping that, that Kane, Kane taking the stance that he did do will we'll get through to Levy and make him realise that, that selling him this summer might be the best option. You know, City know that Spurs probably need a little bit of money at the moment. You know, they, they've, they've been hit by the, the pandemic harder than most Premier League clubs. So, you know, all, all these factors come into play, but it just seems to be down to whether Kane can engineer it, whether Kane and, and, and his brother, his agent, can can actually prize him away. And the, the longer this goes on, the more you kind of think, well, no, they, they're just going to have to do without him. They, you know, Pep, Pep has already started talking about being happy with the squad he's got. Uh, I'm not sure that's true, because if he was, he wouldn't be spending £120 million on a player who's going to improve it. So, you know, I think that's Pep just sort of saying what a manager has to say in these circumstances. But the closer we get to the to the transfer deadline, you know, the 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 the, the chances are diminishing by the hour almost. Um, so unless something, unless something, unless this has been applied by Levy all along, just to try and eke as much money as he can out of it, and then he'll crumble at the last minute and and sell. Well, that remains to be seen. But uh, at the moment. I would say, I mean, we are stabbing in the dark here, but it looks increasingly like Harry Kane won't be coming to City. Um, having said that, we could all be sitting here writing about it, you know, Kane joining City in a new British transfer record tomorrow uh, because this is this is what the transfer window does. It, it jumps up and bites you when you're least expecting it. So, you know, where we're at on it, I don't know. And I think anybody who does claim they know where it's at, is, is fibbing if you're not Daniel Levy and Chiki Bagaristain or any of the other executives who are, who are sort of dealing with this at, at that level. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I, I've said for a few weeks now, I just, I just don't see how Levy can crumble and kind of save face and be able to tell any of his other players who might want to leave that they're not going anywhere. I think they're both, everyone's just kind of worked themselves into a position where they're in a Mexican standoff, but no one can shoot or else they'll all just... No, they'll all look worse off for doing so. Ty, you were fairly confident last week. Has that kind of diminished at all? Yeah, you know, I think as Stu says, I think every day that passes without an obvious breakthrough, you, you lose a, a few percents off your confidence of it happening. Should we say, I think I said I was 60, 65% last week. Mm, that's probably right. below, below half now, I guess. Um, I think, you know, the one thing to remember is that Spurs sold Berbatov to United on deadline day. Spurs sold Bale to Real Madrid on deadline day when that transfer was obviously happening for a month, six weeks beforehand. Levy has a history of dragging things out to deadline day to try and exact maximum um, you know, cash for a player. So it's no surprise that he might drag it to late in the window, that he might try and wait and see if City will add a few more. You know, City might have told him what the offer is now and he's purely waiting to see if they'll panic on the 30th of August and increase it. And if they don't, he might still just turn around and say, well, we'll accept that. And he'll go on deadline day. We've seen it before with Tottenham. I feel like there's another big name they sold on deadline day. Can't remember now. Modric, uh, maybe? Okay, could have been Modric, yeah. Can't remember. Uh, but he, he certainly has a history of doing deals on deadline day and being happy to do them on deadline day. So it wouldn't surprise me if we hear nothing and we're all like, oh, it's down to 10%. And then, as you said, it, it's been hard to get a handle on exactly where things stand. Obviously, Kane and his brother are are pushing it and trying to keep it keep it in the headlines, but the clubs themselves aren't saying an awful lot. 
it, it is one of those transfers that does it has a feel of there being no real noise on it and then all of a sudden City and Tottenham agree 130 million pound fee out of nowhere and you know it's a sudden shock and you can see that happening next Monday for example it's just so late in the window it really wouldn't surprise me if that happened and I know we say that does Levy want to lose faith or lose face sorry in in selling Kane now he's probably looking at it or might be looking at it thinking 125 million say for a 28 year old who's going to be 29 last next year injury bad injury record yeah, and that's the thing with Kane. He's a certainty to miss six to eight games a season because his ankles are made of glass and he has ankle injuries every year. So, you know, he, he might look at that and think, you know, City might have already reached a point with Levy where he will do business, but he will wait just to see if City will panic a bit more and stick another 10 million, 15 million on it next week. So it wouldn't surprise me if this happened late in the window and, and even on deadline day, just because that's how, how Levy does business. So, yeah, my, my confidence is diminishing. And I think the closer it gets to deadline, your confidence will diminish. But at the same time, there's certainly a bit of me that thinks this could still happen next Monday or Tuesday just because it's Daniel Levy. Well, it'll certainly be interesting. I can't say I'm very happy I won't be working on deadline day because I do feel like, I, again, I don't think it's going to happen, but it just seems like maybe it could. Um, and uh, there could still be some departures, Stu. You know, seven days to go. There's been rumblings of Laporte. As I said, Bernardo Silva's been the one most heavily linked with a move away. There could be potential loans for the likes of Tommy Doyle and uh, the, the Sam Adozzi, maybe players like that. Uh, do you see any departures from now in the last week? Or is Pep going to stick with the squad he's got now? I don't see That's any senior. I don't see any senior departures. Um, I mean, I think Pep made it made it plain last week when he said, you know, he talk, talked about the players who want to leave. And the, the, it's, I thought it was noticeable, actually, that the, the three players that we've talked about in terms of wanting away from City, Bernardo, Gabriel Jesus and Amrit Laporte, all started against Norwich. And that was well. almost, yeah, yeah. And it was almost Pep saying, well, hold on, you know, you are part of this squad and we, we, we do value you. And, and Norwich was a, a, a game where you, you can perhaps get away without playing your, your best team. Uh, you know, you go out and show me. And also giving them a, that little bit of Philip, you know, Laporte might be thinking differently now. Gabriel Jesus might be thinking differently. Bernardo might be thinking differently, even though, he, you know, his, his sort of desire to leave has been more entrenched. You know, he goes back to last summer um, when, when he, he, he didn't quite get the move. And it's for different reasons. It's not necessarily for football reasons. But Pep, Pep also said, you know, these players who want to leave, it's no good saying you just want to leave. You've got to bring something to the table. You know, it's up to their agents to be going to clubs and saying, look, you know, do you want Bernardo? Do you want Gabriel Jesus? Do you want Emmerich Laporte? Because you're going to have to put up money. So you aren't going to let them go on the cheap. Uh, A, because that would be partly to pay for Harry Kane if they did manage to pull it off. You know, if, if they did manage to sell one of those, well, going the extra yard for to buy Harry Kane would be that little bit easier. You know, if, if you're spending 120, 130 million pounds and you get 50, 60 million pounds for Bernardo or Laporte or Jesus, you know, it becomes a, it becomes good business all of a sudden. But that isn't going to happen because who can afford to spend that kind of money? It's only other Premier League clubs can. None of them are going to want... Uh, those three players, I wouldn't have thought, not for that kind of money. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain can afford it, but they've spent, they've pretty much emptied their bank account this this summer. The Spanish clubs can't afford it this year. You know, they're, they're having trouble signing the players they've already got. And then, and it, it's Italian clubs who traditionally have been a market. You know, if you're selling big, then you know they've been hit by the pandemic, and then they haven't got the kind of money that would be, would be necessary to. to to land one of these players. I mean, you know, Juventus have been talking about taking Jesus on loan and then perhaps, you know, 
giving thirty million pound for him. Well, that ain't gonna happen. You know, he's more valuable to City in the squad than he is out on loan. You know, for a for a small loan fee and then a, a possible wedge of money at the end of that. So. I'd be very surprised if any any of the senior players left. Yeah, I mean, you're talking, you're going to get loan, loans, you know, uh, players like Tommy Doyle. I'm not sure. I, I think a loan would suit Tommy Doyle. Doyle, I think, you know, he's at that, that stage. Liam Delap is clearly going to stay, uh, but different players um, need different things at different, at different stages of the development. I think Doyle would benefit from going out and playing championship football. Delap is going to stay. We know that. Players like James McAtee, you know, I, I think he's another one who, who, who'd probably benefit from staying, but I'm not there. I'm not on the ground watching him. I'm not, you know, I'm not one of his coaches who, who knows what, what he needs to do to, to take that next step with City. So I, I, there, will, there will obviously be some, some loans going out. We've already seen a few, but there were some loans going out. But in terms of senior players, I'd be very surprised if any of them left. Well, it's certainly going to be an interesting seven days of the transfer window and with all the games in between it as well. You'll be able to keep up to date with all of it over at the Manchester Evening News uh, forward slash Manchester City. You'll get all the match reports, transfer reports, breaking news and all that malarkey. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for tuning in listening to us today. Um, we'll be back next week um, for a post-transfer deadline day um, roundup. Will we be talking about Harry Kane being City's new record signing? Who knows? Will we be talking about Mikel Arteta's um, imminent sacking after getting uh, absolutely spanked by Manchester City? Only time will tell and you'll be able to hear about it all right here. So tune back in next week and we'll see you then. Thank you for listening and ta